Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. In this podcast, we hope that you get the opportunity to connect with other homeschoolers for encouragement, tips, and fellowship. Like Sunlight's curriculum offerings, we explore homeschooling through the lens of a literature-rich, Christ-centered education. Join us on this adventure. In the summer of 2022, Sunlight hosted our annual Sunlight Connections Homeschool Summit. We were honored to have Katie Kimball of Kids Cook Real Food join us to explain how to better fit cooking into our busy homeschool lives. Your children can cook. And in this episode, Katie breaks down how to incorporate them into meal planning, prepping, and cleanup. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Baking Cookies from Kids Cook Real Food. I'm Katie Kimball, Mrs. Kimball to the kids, and today I want to talk about why and how we should get our kids into the kitchen and learning to cook, but also the when. When do we fit it in? How do we schedule and put into our routine cooking opportunities for our kids? I think cooking is so important. It's a huge life skill for kids. And when kids have this authentic skill of being able to nourish others, it really raises their self-confidence, their self-esteem, and, and shows that they matter, both in our families and ultimately in the world. I read an article recently that said that the average American family spends a mere 37 minutes of quality time together each day. Now, I'm sure that's incredibly different for homeschooling families, but it kind of calls into light a fundamental problem that's happening in our society, and that's that we're not spending enough time in general together as families. That's why one of my missions is to encourage people to eat family dinner, and one of the best ways to sit down to family dinner is to work together toward that common goal of dinner in the kitchen. Now, I wasn't always such a good cook myself, to tell you the truth, and in fact, um, the very first, not the very first time, one of the early recipes that I remember making for some friends, I was, I was in college, I was learning how to cook, reading through a bunch of magazines and pulling recipes. And I thought, I'm going to make something fancy. I'm going to make this applesauce pork chop recipe. Okay. I've never cooked pork chops. I've never bought garlic and it, and it called for fresh garlic, called for uh, a bulb. No, not a bulb. It called for a clove of garlic. And, and I went to the store and I bought what I thought I wanted. And then you know, I was cutting things up and and trying to use this dull knife, you know, in the sublease apartment I was in in college. And I'm just thinking, how is this even possible? Like, how does anyone use garlic? There's papery things flying all over and sticking to me and sticking on the knife and sticking on the cutting board. And I'm like, I just need, I need to get this whole thing into the applesauce pork chop. And some of you have probably already figured out, especially with my tongue slip there, that what called for a clove of garlic, I didn't understand that this was not a clove of garlic, this was a bulb. And I was trying to cut up the whole thing, papery parts and all, oh my goodness, thank goodness I'm not so patient. And I gave up before I got the whole bulb in, but I probably got about half. And my friends coming over for this dinner party were so gracious to have forgiven me for serving them very garlicky applesauce pork chops. For me, that was a big learn from failure opportunity. And we talk in our family all the time about the value of learning for, from failure. And, and that's part of why I want your kids to learn to cook when they're still at home. Because when they fail, the stakes are lower and you're there to help them out. All right. So we're going to talk a little bit in the next 45 minutes, maybe half an hour, about some brain science to prove that cooking is vitally important for kids. 
I'll show you my three-step superpower process that we use in the kitchen, but parents say it can be applied to many things. When to introduce knives to kids, because if you're going to prioritize healthy food, you got to be able to use knives to unlock that produce and fruits and vegetables section. I mentioned scheduling. How do we fit this cooking into the homeschool routine? And finally, how do we motivate the kids to get into the kitchen and maybe get you a little time back as well? So brain science says that when kids are involved with food, they're more likely to eat it. Um, every person has sort of a unique tolerance for food that has to build up. And I, I like to call this the exposure bucket. And here's how this works. Uh, you know, when your kids are toddlers and people say, oh, don't give up on peas. You have to try a food 10 times before they'll like it. And then that's fairly good advice, but all children are not the same. So that number 10, it's never going to apply equally to everyone. You know, baby Katie might take two times to appreciate broccoli, but I might take 157 times to appreciate those peas. And we don't know what our kids' exposure bucket is, what that level is. But the good news is, even if it is 157 exposures, any exposure counts, it doesn't have to be eaten. So purchasing the food, washing the food, cutting it up, putting it into the pot, cooking it, bringing it to the table, serving it to others, all of those exposures, the sights and smells and sounds of that food, and then of course tasting too, they all count. They all contribute to your kid getting closer and closer to eating those food. So that's one reason why we want to get kids involved because it increases their exposure bucket opportunities without any pressure to eat, especially if they're a little nervous at the table about new things. Now, the second reason that science shows us is what sociologists call the confidence competence loop. And what this means, it's, it's pretty intuitive, really, is that when you have competency in something, when you know how to do something, it feels good, right? It feels great to do something. And that raises our confidence. And when our confidence goes up, we want to go back for more. It's kind of like social media, right? That dopamine hit. We want to go back for more. And then we learn more. It raises our competence. It, that raises our confidence. And we want to come back for more. So the great thing about this is our job is just to get them in that loop and then let it take over. So all you need to do is get started. Do one thing and start that confidence competence loop going. And of course, we all want more confidence for our kids. That's a really good reason to teach them to cook. My third and final brain science reason is what I like to call therapeutic creativity. Um, I, I interviewed a uh, therapist and story expert named Marcy Pusey once, and she said that kids actually need to use their hands in order to open up and stimulate the creative parts of their brain to tell their stories. So she said, you can paint with your kids, you can do Play-Doh, you can do some crafts some coloring. I said, well, what about cooking? Would that work? Like cutting with a knife and, you know, breaking apart food and eating bread dough? She said, oh yeah, yeah, that's great. So this may explain why kids are sometimes more likely to tell their stories when they're working in the kitchen with you. This picture is of my teenage son, Paul, and he actually will sometimes choose cutting vegetables, like on our list of family chores. And he says he likes working with a knife and he likes cutting over and over because that repetition is therapeutic. Yeah, teenager using the word therapeutic. So that's why I love to call, you know, knife skills, et cetera, therapeutic creativity. This is exactly what our kids need in this world where we maybe spend more time on screens than, well, maybe. We definitely spend more time on screens than previous generations, maybe more than we should. So let's get those kids working with their hands and opening up that creativity. Now, sometimes when we think about working with our kids in the kitchen, this is the image that comes to mind. Ay, ay, ay. 
But it doesn't have to be this way, friends. It doesn't have to be a kitchen covered in flour. We just need to take the right approach, find the right time to work, and integrate cooking into our week. Now, at Kids Cook Real Food, our three-step process, it's loosely based on the Montessori system, and we call it Demonstrate, Guide, and Coach to Independence. And let's unpack these a little bit one by one. When you're teaching a new skill to your kids, first I want you to demonstrate. I want you to use the tools before you give them the tools. And you might even as an adult make a mistake or two to show them what happened, how your thinking was a little backward and how to avoid those mistakes, especially when it comes to safety issues. Now step two is guide. And this is the step that most parents have never thought of and kind of miss. At Kids Cook Real Food, we use what's called the hand-over-hand -hand technique. And this means that either your hand will be on top of your child's or your child's hand will be on top of yours. This guide technique is used for things like cracking eggs, working with that chef's knife, perhaps stirring something that's a little stiff. Because while kids can watch you when you demonstrate, they can see what your hands do, they can't see the amount of pressure you use. And so that's why when kids go to crack an egg, it's everywhere, right? Or when they stir some homemade granola bars, pop, out goes the oatmeal all over your counter. But if they've done a lot of hand-on-hand -hand when they were two and three and even four, they know exactly what they're doing. Then you can switch to your hand on top of theirs. We have four-year-olds in our program who can crack a dozen eggs with no shells like a boss. So this is really easy to incorporate with your tiniest ones, but it's a step not to be missed with your older kids as well when you're teaching something new. The third step is to coach to independence, right? We want to, we want to stay close. We want to be in the room and we want to have a common vocabulary to use, which is, which is kind of what I provide in our Kids Cook Real Food eCourse. Uh, we have fun phrases. Well, we'll talk about those in, in the knife section. Um, but we have like five different phrases for how to stir things in a bowl so that when you're coaching to independence, you don't have to be hovering. You can be in the room and you can look over and say, oh, honey, a tomato needs a saw blade technique. Or try using a pogo stick stir on that ranch dressing since you're in a tall jar. Just like a coach of a sports team, we want to give our kids lots of opportunities for repetition and practice, right? Because that's how they gain more competence. And it may take time, too. That's an important point to remember as parents, that our kids aren't going to master cooking in one or two lessons, especially the younger they are. So we really want to build in a lot of opportunities for practice and repetition. Now, one skill that everyone who eats needs, I believe, is knife skills. I always say knife skills unlock the produce section. If you want to eat whole foods, you got to be able to cut them up. This is super helpful as well for dinner prep, because if you think about all the things you're doing while you're prepping dinner, wouldn't it be amazing to delegate cutting up some vegetables, right, for a crudité platter or, you know, veggies and dip before dinner? Now, what I want you to think about when teaching your kids knives is there are three really important points. One, you need to teach them the proper technique. Then they need to have the right knife for their size and skill level. And they need to be cutting the right food that fits the knife, their size, and their skill level. Let's talk about those for a minute. First, we start teaching knives at Kids Cook Real Food as young as two or even 18 months. Because when implemented properly, knife skills are a super safe and empowering technique for kids to understand. Little ones feel like hot stuff just if you hand them a butter knife, right? And so we start our two-year-olds with butter knives or dinner knives. And we teach them the exact same techniques as we teach our big kids with the chef's knife. We teach our two-year-olds to respect the knife as if it's sharp. 
right? And that builds, that technique of respecting the knife as if it's sharp builds a uh, confidence in both the child and the adult that when they're four or five or probably by six for sure, you can say, wow, my child has been safe for years and has been using techniques like up and over soldier and hey, hey, out of the way with the little fingers. I think maybe they're ready for a sharp knife, right? Because when you teach your kids how to hold the food properly with their hands out of the way of the sharp knife and how to hold the knife properly, then you very much reduce any risk of injury. And that's what all parents want to hear, right? Now, when we talk about the right knife, what do I mean? Well, first of all, we already, I already mentioned the butter knife for the little kids. And then we want to move up to a paring knife, just something small, something that fits their hand. And finally, when they've mastered the paring knife and they feel ready and you feel ready, you can jump up to a chef's knife. Now, I don't think we have to buy special knives for kids. I really don't. A lot of the special knives um, cause kids to use the wrong technique. They have to saw blade when they shouldn't really. So I believe in real knives for kids. However, chef's knives come everything from four inches to like 12 inches. I want you to look for a four or five or six inch chef's knife. A very um, common chef's knives are six inches, and that's not too big for most kids. Now, perhaps the most, the most important bit that we really need to do is match up the right food with the knife, okay? When your kid is using a butter knife, you gotta give them soft foods like cooked carrots and bananas and uh, like melon or pear where you've taken out the core. There's a lot of soft foods that kids can cut with a butter knife, but we don't wanna give them something that will be frustrating or dangerous because it's too solid. Same thing with the paring knife, okay? We don't give kids a paring knife and an onion or a huge apple, it's just not it's just not appropriate. It's going to get away from them. And now we're causing a safety hazard. With a paring knife, we want to think about things that are fairly long to start out with and sort of a medium density, like a zucchini or a cucumber. Celery is possible, especially when it's nice and long. And then, you know, small things like strawberries and mushrooms and stuff like that. When we finally move to a chef's knife, now the world has opened up. And we just want to make sure that we continue to enforce and remind the proper techniques and keeping the fingers straight up and down like a soldier and well out of the way. Parents start out nervous about knives and fire, but just after a few classes, Amy Bailey, who's a mom of three, said, oh my, we had the best experience we've ever had in the kitchen after working with knives and fire, right? Trepidation for many parents, but it also is a huge success when your kids can do this safely. Now, I wonder if any of you out there wishes from time to time that your kids would clean up the kitchen and do dishes. The mess is a huge concern for many parents. And Tara, who's a homeschooling mom in Oregon, said, you know, now that they've got some basics down, they've actually started taking initiative in other kitchen duties, including cleanup and dishes. Who knew an online cooking class could do that? Okay, friends, results not guaranteed. <laughs> not every child gets intrinsic motivation to take initiative and do dishes. However, it's possible because of that confidence, confidence loop. When you build skills in the kitchen, when you build competency, it feels good. And the kids want to come back for more. Now, many of you might dream of having your kids to ask to help out. And that's what Lisa Tim, another homeschooling mom, shared. She said, since starting this course with Mrs. Kimball, my kids actually want to help me in the kitchen every day. They never asked to help before. And doesn't that make sense? If you don't know how to do it, you might not ask, but when you know how to do it, you know, especially kids who are who are smart, who are motivated because they're homeschooled and they've been allowed to, you know, approach learning from the standpoint of what's interesting to you. 
they're going to want to build more skills and they're going to know intrinsically that they need to practice. Now, I'm hoping that you're feeling a little motivated, right? We've talked about why cooking is so good for kids. You know it's going to help your day and your week run more smoothly. And, and you know some logistics now, right? That three-step process, demonstrate guide, coach to independence for teaching a skill, skill by skill basis. You even know some of the nitty gritty of knives. But homeschooling families, I hear you. It's hard to fit everything in, right? When is this going to fit? I know your week probably feels really crammed full. So a couple hot tips for you. First of all, I want to encourage you to plan um, cooking skill classes, and whether that's a formal structured class like, like I have to offer at Kids Cook for Food, or if it's just thinking, okay, you know, I have a four-year-old, I have a seven-year-old, I have a 10-year-old, I'm going to look at each of them and kind of think of one skill that I can teach them next. Maybe it's the skill of pouring from a creamer pitcher for the four-year-old and measuring a flat teaspoon and a flat measuring cup for the seven-year-old, and maybe we'll try that 10-year-old with a paring knife, right? Think of one skill. And don't teach right before a meal. You know that that's the hardest part of the day and you don't have time to slow down because everybody's hungry and you might have an event to go to after dinner, right? You're time crunched. When we're time crunched, our stress levels go up, our patience goes down, and it's not a very fun experience for the kids to come into the kitchen. That's got to be one of our primary objectives is to keep the kitchen as a positive experience for the kids because when it's positive, they're much more likely to want to come back and offer to help. So I highly recommend thinking about right after lunch, right after snack, or maybe a Friday afternoon, any time where you're not preparing food that needs to be served right away. That's actually the best time to teach your kids those new skills. I, I always say um, happy bellies are full bellies, right? And so I love teaching kids a new skill in the kitchen right after lunch. They're all there. You know, everybody's in the kitchen. You don't have to change locations. You can kind of clean up briefly from lunch and get something new out. If you're making food, make it for snack or dinner, or, you know, something that you can put away. That way you're not as stressed out. And then when the kids learn that skill and practice it a few times, now you can ask them to come help right before dinner and they are contributing instead of slowing you down. Super powerful. It's, I know, easy tip, but sometimes we don't think about it because when are we working with food? Right before dinner. And if they're going to ask, they're going to ask right before dinner. So if they ask right before dinner, you use a yes and. Yes, you can help. And we're going to plan for tomorrow, right? Or hopefully, maybe if they have a skill or two, yes, you can help. And I want you to go to the table, right, out of your elbow room. And I want you to work on this, something that they know how to do. It might not have to do with your dinner. It might be snack for tomorrow, right? You've got to use some savvy thinking and savvy scheduling. And that's how you're going to build these cooking skills with your kids. All right, tip number two for fitting into your homeschool routine comes from uh, Chris Clark. She's a homeschooling mom, and she's she, like very many of our members, actually, incorporates Kids Cook Real Food as a curriculum, as a Friday fun day event. Okay, I know a lot of people like to close the week with something a little bit lighter, a little bit less academic. Um, and Chris reported that after running some Friday fun day lessons, her seven-year-old daughter started making breakfast and lunch during most of their homeschool days. So friends, you can see how quickly the investment of time in teaching your kids to cook, the investment of effort, the investment of getting over your own psychological blocks really gives back quite quickly and, and builds that confidence, right? And builds all those good feelings in your kids, as well as obviously the practical life skills. One other way to think about how do we fit it in, how do we teach kids to cook in our busy, busy week 
is what Renita did. She's another homeschooling mom, a member of ours at Kids Cook Real Food. And instead of sending her kids to summer camp, she decided to use our cooking classes over the summer, right? I know especially a lot of homeschooling families like to kind of kind of keep a little bit of a lighter curriculum, just a little something so that there's some sort of routine in the summer. Cooking class is a great idea for that. And Renita said she called it a bridge class to both build life skills and reinforce those math and science lessons over the summer. Do you love that? I love that so much. Homeschooling moms are so brilliant. You guys, you're all so brilliant. And it really does. Like once you squeeze in the time to teach some skills, you can ask kids to help with meals. And it might not be the whole thing. It might be just a little bit, right? But Donna reported that her five-year-old was always asking to help and she just didn't know where to start. But then after just the knife skills class, just one class, he was cutting up avocados and lettuce for tacos, making a fruit salad, really supporting dinner, right? Donna says that the kids cook real food style is so memorable and kid-friendly, and she's looking forward already to getting him involved in more prep. Now, I have a few more tips for our homeschoolers from our, uh, from our member moms who do homeschool. Um, we have a couple parents who have like a rotation of kids who help at various meals, right? So maybe if they have three kids, once they get them all trained up, that's three meals a week that they don't end up being all on the parents, right? Um, Susan in our VIP group shared about how she rotates her evening, evening meal planning as well as prep. So the kids are, they're, they're older and they're really well-trained. So they both plan and prep one meal a week per kid. And Lisa Clark is another homeschooling mom. She does the same thing and she's set up quite a structure so that you know, like she really wants to make sure her kids understand what's acceptable, it has to be a balanced meal, whatever, whatever. And then they can make choices within that structure. In general, when you have taught kids these skills, it gives back to the family, it gives back to the kids, and you can really create some of that structure. But the trick, of course, is fitting it in. So is it a Friday fun day for you? Is it a summer bridging, you know, with math and science incorporated? Or is this, you know, just something that you want to put in during your week away from meals, right after lunch, right after snack, etc. You kind of know your week, but I think it's so worth it, so worth it to get cooking in. Now, parents often do say to me, though, but Katie, what if my kids just don't want to do it? Like, I don't need another power struggle in our week, like getting our math done, right? And so I have five tips to kind of motivate your kids and get them engaged. And these go along with our three C's at Kids Cook Real Food, connection, confidence, and creativity. So first, we're going to employ the power of connection. And this is for your kids who just love being with others. Uh, my seven-year-old Gabriel right now, man, he he can play perler beads all day long. But as soon as he kind of realizes that he doesn't have a friend over or if he checks with a friend and they're not available, he's despondent. He loves being with people so much. So kids like Gabe, uh, kids like my son John, who just every single day at night prayers, he says, thank you that I got to play with Simon today. Like he has his best friend, right? Kids like that really can be motivated by integrating social time into your cooking curriculum. And what a gift to another homeschooling family if you say, hey, why don't I take some of your kids? We'll all do cooking together and me, you can watch the little toddlers and the babies and keep them out of our hair. Awesome structure for you. And it can be really motivating for kids because they know they're going to get to see their friends. Another way to employ connection is with the parent. And you know you have one of these kids if you have one of these kids, right? Uh, my daughter Leah is 13, and even still at 13, 
God bless her. She will sometimes go grocery shopping with me just to spend time, right? She really values that quality time with a parent. And I know, especially in families where you have maybe more than two or three kids, that is hard to come by, which means it is special. So if you've got a child like that, can, can you find a time where a spouse or a neighbor or a grandma or an auntie can take all the other kids and you can have 30 to 45 minutes with one kid to do cooking class? Ooh, for the right kid who values that quality time with a parent, that is golden, totally motivating. Now we got to go back to the confidence competence loop because not only is that a good brain science reason why we want to teach our kids to cook, but it's a wonderful motivation to them because confidence feels good, right? So how do we, again, get them into that confidence confidence loop and get that snowball effect rolling? Well, we intentionally choose one skill and we teach it to them. And I would, I would include um, that if you can have your child make some food when friends or family are coming over or when you're going to a party or a potluck, that is an amazing way to incorporate genuine, authentic, easy praise from other adults for your child that their confidence is going to raise exponentially. Another um, method to employ confidence when we want to motivate kids is that it really does feel good to help others. So I always recommend if you've got uh, multiple ages, you know, if you've got some older kids and you're thinking, well, Katie, I don't know, like my older kids don't really have a lot of experience in the kitchen. I, I can't just pop my 10 or 12 year old to a chef's knife. That's scary. What I recommend is that the older kids become the teacher assistants for the little kids. And so they'll assimilate some of the skills. They get to help. They get to kind of be the boss and they love feeling that. Um, and then in general, for all ages of kids, it really does feel good to serve. I think I, I know as, as a parent, one of my goals for my kids is to create a servant's hearts in them, right? And mission-minded kids. And so we got to give them opportunities to feel what it feels like to give, right? And what better gift to give than the gift of nourishment, than the gift of delightful food and delicious food. And it's so amazing for kids' confidence to watch other people eat the food that they've made. So both helping younger siblings in the kitchen and teaching them and serving food to others, really powerful motivating factors. Finally, we've got one last motivating tip, and this is where we employ the creativity piece of cooking, right? We're going to give our kids a chance for independence and a chance to do their own thing and be a little creative. We know that in this age of screens, we don't get enough creative time, right? And sometimes we just have to let go and trust them so that they rise to the occasion. I love little Ava. She's two years old, and she spent many, many minutes at age two, probably 15 to 20 to 30 minutes cutting up little cucumber circles into quarters and little peppers, you know, where like mom or dad pre-cut some of the peppers into big chunks and she cut the big chunks into little chunks. Kids feel so good when they get to work with their hands and use that creativity. Now quickly, because I'm, you know, a teacher by training, I know that we want to do a little quick recap. So you have all this, all this in folders in your heads. Okay. Remember that brain science to show that cooking is vitally important for kids. We talked about the exposure bucket, helping kids eat better, that confidence, confidence loop, which I think you're probably familiar with now, and that therapeutic creativity, right? The idea that working with our hands opens up the creative parts of our brains. We talked about that three-step superpower process to teach kids in the kitchen, but I'm sure you can see how it can apply to other areas, right? Demonstrate yourself, guide with the hand-over-hand -hand technique, and then coach to independence, stay close, remind them about uh, fixing mistakes before they become habits. 
We talked about the knife thing. When do we introduce knives to kids? And the fact that you need to use the proper technique, show kids how to do it safely. I can help with that the right knife for the child's size and skill level, and always making sure we match the right food with the right knife. And then, of course, we talked about the schedule thing, right? The bane of our existence as moms with so much going on in the week, moms or dads, pardon me, how do we insert that cooking in there? Remember, do it away from meals at first so it stays a positive experience and unstressful. Consider something like a Friday fun day curriculum and consider maybe a summer curriculum. You know, what works for you? Once the kids build just a few skills, you can get regular cooking into your days. Uh, for example, breakfast and lunch are great opportunities for homeschool kids to really practice those skills because those are usually a little bit more fluid and a little bit more flexible in timing. Now, if snacking is an issue for you, I hear from a lot of homeschooling families that like, oh, Katie, our pantry is like a revolving door. Kids go in and out and they're just eating all day long. Forget breakfast and lunch. If snacking is an issue for you, that could be sabotaging their healthy eating habits. You might need my picky eating challenge, so look for that. We do that at least twice a year. And then finally, we just talked about those five motivating reasons, which ultimately get you a little time back, right? When the kids are cooking, you get a little time back. I told you that I had some issues, right, when I was first learning to cook. And it's so funny because my mom and my grandma are actually really great cooks, but I just didn't learn enough as a kid. At least I didn't learn how to use garlic. And when my daughter Leah was about 10, I think when I first told her that story, that garlic story, that girl, <laughs> she puts her hands on her hips. She looks at me and she goes, mom, I think I'm a better cook now than you were when you were in college. And you know what? She's right. <laughs> She's totally right. She knows how to use fresh garlic. And and in fact, um, she knows how to employ therapeutic creativity and, and she has the confidence to change other people's recipes, even her 93-year-old great-grandma who you see there on the right. Leah wanted to make an apple pie once for Thanksgiving and she was insistent on doing everything herself. So I got out Gigi's recipe, Gigi for great-grandma, you know, my grandmother, and Leah looked at it and said, a cup of sugar? whoa, apples are really sweet. We don't even add sugar to our applesauce. I'm going to cut that down. <laughs> so she like immediately made these choices. She did the whole thing. We brought the apple pie to Thanksgiving. You know, obviously the other adults are like, what? Leah made the whole apple pie? Like pies are really difficult. Leah, that's amazing. The praise is heaping on. Her confidence is blooming. And then Gigi heard that she had reduced the sugar. And my Gigi, my grandma puts her hands on her hips and goes, Katie, I like sugar. Is it sweet enough? <laughs> I tell you, I'm getting it from all the sides, right? All the generations. But I think I think we all want our kids to turn out a little better than ourselves, don't we? And, and this may be one way to do it is, is to give them the ability to learn to cook. It's the perfect example of our three C's approach, of our connection to our, to our history, to our food, right? To our family, of the confidence that we see in kids having that success, doing those real tasks, getting praised by the family, and that creativity. You know, Leah really used her confidence to tweak Gigi's recipe, but she was creative in that way. She took something that an adult used to do and made it her own. Oh, what power in creativity that is. So friends, that's my dream for you. Because when you make cooking happen as family training, as a piece of your homeschool week, you get time back really quickly right? Your kids are going to gain that confidence and, and you can kind of enjoy that quality time where you're not always telling them what to do as a family. 
Plus, they're usually so proud of their food, they're more willing to taste it. And I love what Anne says. You know this is a homeschooling family. We got five kids at the table, dad in the back. Everybody's wearing aprons. And Anne says, you know, my 12-year-old gave me a huge hug, thanked me, and said it was super fun to learn to cook. At bedtime, her nine-year-old boy said, I wish we could do cooking class every day. That is how motivating learning to cook is, right? How often do the kids thank the parents? Pretty spectacular. Now, I've mentioned a few times our Kids Cook Real Food e-course. This is, this is sold by Sunlight on their website. And Kids Cook Real Food is an online course teaching kids ages 2 to 12 and beyond over 30 basic cooking skills. Okay, it's a video-based lesson plans. Uh, it's all healthy food. And it's very allergy-friendly because although, obviously, we have to make something in the videos, we focus on the skills, not the recipes, which means you can substitute any family favorite recipe or any um, allergen-reduced, allergen-eliminating recipe if the recipe we use doesn't fit your family. In fact, fully one-third of our current members have food allergies, and I think that's because they know that it's more important, really important, for their kids to learn to cook. But also, I really structured the course to have very few of the common allergens anyway and always substitutions um, that fit those skills. If you do one lesson per week, if you do the Friday fun day, getting through a level, our beginners, our preschoolers, or our intermediates, our early L, or our advanced, our upper L, is going to take about eight weeks because there's eight in each level. But Kids Cook Real Food is also structured to fit families. So you can, you can mix and match and have multiple ages going at the same time. And there's always an all-kid video that they watch all together with kind of a global skill. So you can definitely teach lots of ages and lots of skill levels right at the same time. Again, you can find our class on Sunlight's website, and I would love to stay connected with you too, actually. We offer summer camps, those free picky eating challenges that I mentioned, and lots of other events throughout the year. So definitely check us out on my homepage at kidscookrealfood.com to see what is happening. Thank you again for listening to this presentation of Beyond Baking Cookies. You can take your kids beyond just that cookie baking at the holidays and really instill in them uh, a competency and a love for cooking real healthy foods alongside your family. I know you can fit this into your homeschool week. I know it's gonna make a huge difference for you, for the responsibility on your shoulders and for your kids and the way they feel. Thanks again for listening. I'm Katie Kimball from Kids Cook Real Food. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunlight Connections podcast. You can also visit Sunlight Curriculum on social media, in our Sunlight app or at sunlight.com. I am Sunny from Sunlight, reminding you to tune in next time.